Welcome to Autism Communication Toolkit. We are your host, Sherry Summers. And I'm Alicia McManaman. And we are two pediatric speech language pathologists. We are here to help you cut through the misinformation to help you shift your thinking about what it truly takes to open the door to communication so that you can take charge and become your child's best communication partner and advocate. Today's episode is sponsored by Step by Step Academy, a six-month parent coaching program designed to help parents unlock their autistic toddler's communication. Schedule a free 20-minute consult with us, and you can email us at Sherry and Alicia at connect-speech.com. That's C-H-E-R-I-E-A-N-D-A-L-I-C-I-A at connect-speech.com. Or you can find us at our website, which is www.connect-speech.com. Let's get started. Welcome back. Uh, We're so pleased to be back with you today. And as always, we really appreciate that you've carved out some time in what we know is a very busy life for you uh, to join us today. Um, If you have any familiarity with our approach, then you know that there are many aspects of what we teach and coach on that are strikingly different from current approaches and strategies that are used and taught by most professionals out there these days. And the exciting thing is that it's not just our strategies that are totally unique, but is also our outcomes. Because the more we see our families create that internal drive to communicate, the more we know that the future communication possibilities go so far beyond what has ever been possible with current strategies. And not just in communication, but in all of the other learning that your child opens up to when you awaken them naturally to the people, objects, and events in their environment. We cannot say enough how critical igniting that social driver and creating an internal desire to communicate is in opening the door today to an entirely different future down the road. And that leads us to what we are going to be talking about today. So as you know, we proudly stand apart from all communication strategies that are compliance-based. And this has led to some confusion among some of our best families in coaching. And if they are confused about the role of compliance-based strategies in their child's learning, then we know that you are too. And we believe that you may be surprised regarding some of what we have to share today. First of all, what do we mean by compliance-based? One of the definitions of compliance is acting in accordance to a wish or a demand or to a guideline. The term compliance-based strategy, as we use use it, means that it is at its root, it is a strategy that is used to get your child to comply to a specific expectation or demand. So compliance-based strategies have an intended outcome and an expectation and can be used in many areas. When we use the term compliance-based as our polar opposite, (laughs) we are referring to communication strategies that require an expected outcome from your child. Most often, the expectation is a word, but it can also be a sign for more, a gesture, or eye contact, or any other specific piece of communication that your professional is trying to get from your child. And compliance-based strategies for communication are most often used with children who are not verbally communicating consistently yet. Your child isn't talking, so your specialist does everything they can to get your child to talk. Mm -hmm. Talking is 
almost always the expectation and talking is the only goal. Often, very often, ignoring all that comes in between. So compliance strategies are taught in order to get the desired outcome of that specific communication piece. So in comes withholding. Which is when you don't give your child that thing they want until they at least try to say something for it. Or it can be holding out and telling them to say it, like when you do say banana. This is also when prompting comes in with phrases like I want with the expectation for your child to finish it. And the reason that withholding, prompting, and pressure come into play so strongly with compliance-based expectations is because when there is expectation, external rewards must be utilized because it comes with the assumption that they are not doing it without them. Something must be offered or withheld in order for your child to understand that they are expected to communicate, right? That's the common thinking, but if you have been with us at all, then you know that this is entirely the opposite of what leads to the most meaningful progress. When you use an external reward with an expectation that doesn't feel good, and especially one that your child doesn't understand, not only does it reduce all natural communication progress, but it often shuts it down entirely. If you are unfamiliar with this part of today's discussion, then you are brand new to us, which is awesome. And we encourage you to go back and listen to some previous podcast episodes, such as withholding, what makes us different, and rewarding all communication. In those podcasts, we go over compliance approaches in more detail and how we teach you to work differently. Uh, The reason that compliance-based approaches absolutely don't work for autistic children is because every single one of them skips over entirely your child's understanding of the value, purpose, power, and joy of communication in the first place. Have you heard that before? (laughs) I heard it a lot here. (laughs) If they don't understand the value of what they're doing, then it is unlikely they will ever use these forms of communication without an external reinforcer, right? So this is when a child learns the exact opposite of what so many well-meaning and dedicated families are working for. They learn not to communicate unless they are prompted and then they become entirely prompt dependent. And the more prompt dependent a child is, the more their internal desire to communicate is buried. Almost every week, I assess the older students who have spent years with well-meaning parents who have been teaching compliance-based approaches, where the foundation is based on external rewards and expectations for specific types of communication. It honestly breaks my heart to see how these approaches have trapped so many precious children into a world where they don't even realize that they have their own voice. Yeah, when that goal is short-term and there is no plan to create intrinsic or internal motivation, it strips them of the ability to see the value that their own individual and natural communication can add to this world. So yes, (laughs) we feel very, very strongly about compliance-based approaches for communication. And we are strongly against the masses of professionals who are using these strategies for communication when they have absolutely no education in natural communication development. And I think that this is the strongest that we have come out on this so far, but the more we see the outcomes in just months from these opposing approaches, the stronger we feel. 
So yes, our families know full well where we stand regarding compliance-based approaches for communication, and they will all tell you in a few months in with us that they are believers. <laughs> and our families in coaching will tell you that we coach down to the nitty-gritty on this. Yes, we're we pretty do. we're sticklers yes. about this. <laughs> we coach them to remove all expectations, read all communication, and provide no verbal prompting. <laughs> Instead, you practice our tools to ignite your child's social driver, and you read all of the communication your child gives naturally. So little by little, you build their desire to interact. And our families and coaching are all into this alternative approach. And we know that so many of you as our listeners are all into, you know, in your gut, you know, for sure that internal communication is what you want to build with your child. And you see every day how much better this approach feels and how much amazing communication and connection can come from it. And then, dun, 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 <laughs> your child goes to school. And if you are like our moms and dads, then you have done an incredible job of advocating for your child respectfully with those who will be working with your child. And you have explained that even though they may not be communicating verbally consistently yet, they have many ways that they communicate and that when you respond to it, they flourish. And this part alone can be so difficult to navigate and figure out, we know. Um, and But we are happy and proud to say that so many of our parents have been doing an amazing job of this. Yeah, it's a dynamic process and it continually evolves. But the more you work with your child in our approach, the deeper your knowledge is of their capabilities, their needs, and your ability to advocate for them. And so much is possible when you know your child and advocate in a way that enables others to see the best and the most potential in your child. So little by little, you make progress and your relationship with the professionals grows and grows. And you see that there can be some kind of partnership here. Maybe not what you would like, but it's a start. And then you go into your child's classroom. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> you look around and all you see are compliance-based systems. Right. You see sticker charts, reward systems, token boards, first then systems, and yikes. You think... <laughs> These are all the systems based on external reinforcers. And you know about prompt dependence because you've been with us a while and you know how hard that you have worked to do the opposite. And you can. And all of this is because you have become incredibly insightful and aware of the big picture. And you understand more than ever that the approach you take today completely determines how your child communicates and learns years from now. And we get your panic and discouragement um, and in many ways, you are exactly right. Uh, we have both been in many classrooms mm -hmm. where there are lots of visual supports, which we want to see, ideally, and then tons of compliance-based systems. And we have been appalled by how it's how they are implemented. Yes. And then there are many classrooms that we go into where we see lots of visual supports, yay. But we also see compliance-based systems being implemented in a way that creates more natural incomes outcomes. <laughs> Why? Because it all depends on how they are used, yep. the purpose, the long-term foresight, and the big picture thinking around them. And the differences in how they think about a system and implement from one teacher or aid to another mm -hmm, can be vast, sure. right? Is the goal <clears throat> a visually supportive and enriching environment that uses external reward systems strategically to create natural incomes, natural outcomes that are a part of a bigger plan? Or is it a room with a lot of visuals and expectations for expectations sake, where everything comes, everything 
comes with an external reward and there is no long-term plan to create intrinsic motivation. Because here was it comes down to when we look at compliance-based systems, the world will have expectations for your child. They have them for me and yep. for you, for all of us. And sometimes in truth, we you know, we only comply when we have an external reinforcer waiting like a paycheck. Right. We do things for praise and for external rewards in the workplace and in social settings all the time, if we think about it. But in the end, the goal is for the external to have enough buy-in to get you motivated or started so that you are then able to access parts of that activity, whatever it is you're doing, that lead to more intrinsic motivation. So let's be clear on where we stand. Yes. Compliance-based approaches, in our opinion, are never appropriate for communication because they don't lead to enough buy-in as, as a whole to eventually create internal motivation. And often when they are done, they do the opposite. But in the end, you are doing all of this work so that your child can connect and communicate, not just with you, but with others in all different environments, with all different people. And this means preparing them to be a part of a group or to join in a group, a group with others. You dream of them sharing circle time with peers, doing things on the playground with others, tuning in to their lessons and taking in all of the good stuff that their environments have to offer. Now, we won't get into all of our opinions regarding the breakdowns that we see within our school systems. We do see many, and we know that your goal and ours is not to blindly create conformists who go along with the social expectations simply because. But as with every aspect of our approach, we encourage this to be a thoughtful and insightful process based on your long-term dreams and wishes for your child. Once you are solid in what those are, and this will constantly change, of course, mm -hmm. um, you will be able to look at where some compliance-based strategies used today can, if done well, can actually build more intrinsic desire to connect and create long-term, quote, buy-in to the value of participating with others in a group. I assess students from transitional kindergarten age, so around the age four to 12th grade, and I get two hours with them. My primary goal is always to get the most accurate picture of a student within that short window of time. And that is a short window of time. But I wanna give them every opportunity to show me what they're capable of and also give opportunities to see where their support may still be needed for them. And the actual testing piece is not fun. I mean, let's be real. Just like so much of what we have to do in life, the hoops we jump through to get something out of it. I mean, don't get me wrong, I am fun. Alicia <laughs> and I are both fun when we assess. I'm enthusiastic, engaging, and I bring the games that can be offered as a short brain break throughout. And the kids all love the game, no matter how old, which is funny. Um, and every child is unique. Some assessments are entirely play-based, and that's the direction we go. And some assessments are more task-based because every child is different and is able to show me their skills in a different way. Yeah, we both believe that it is our job to pull out the best from each child we assess, or at least do our best to enable each child to see the value in the process in whatever way that motivates them most. Um, just like it's your job to lure, lure your child into the value of an interaction, it's the same idea. Yes. A good assessor knows this. Right. So there are times when I have a student come in who is very reluctant to participate at all for many 
different reasons. Either they're shy or nervous about performance or they just don't want to and they aren't afraid to let me know it. Um, game turns aren't motivating enough for them and all the fun stuff I have brought isn't motivating. I bring it all out and try it. Um, oh sure, they'll play for a little bit but not participate in anything that seems close to an expected task. So this is when I bring out a token board. Um, it has five minions on it or three or 10, depending on the child. Um, and the minions are Velcroed onto a board. And when they do those five things, so they get to pull off all the minions in the beginning, then put a minion on for each time they do a task for me, they get to choose a sticker of their choice or a game turn of their choice or whatever is most motivating for them. It's always different. We move quickly and we do it in a fun way. And for many, this is where the buy-in comes in. And I've got to say that I'm often totally amazed at what I then see the child yeah. is capable of. For my student last week, the other assessors, the psychologist, the occupational therapist, they could not get the student to do one thing, even after three meetings of five hours. He just wasn't motivated. It wasn't just the token board, right? You used choices and you didn't ask those direct questions for pressure, all of the things we do. But in the end, it was those Marvel <laughs> stickers, right? That motivated him. That's right. Alicia knows this. It was the Marvel stickers. And because he was bought into the process, not only was I able to see how much he was capable of, he is actually very bright, but he was able to see himself how much he was capable of. And he grew more and more proud of himself as the assessment went on. Right. And you told me that he loved those Marvel <laughs> stickers so much that he was willing to do way more than you ever expected. That's yes. just so cool. And so using this external motivator for motivator for him gave you a glimpse of who he really is and what his potential is. Yes. Using this in the short term was based on long term foresight. My goal is to provide a recommendation for exactly what he needs or as close as I can get to it. And for those going forward to know the strengths he has as well. And now when the other professionals report that they were unable to get many scores and that he was completely unwilling to comply with any tasks, I'll be able to step up and say that I saw a different side of him. This kid is bright with a lot to say. And from my time with him, I can see ways to get the most out of him. And this is why when an external reward is implemented in a thoughtful and insightful way, based completely on the individual and on the long-term benefit, it really can be so useful. Yeah, hitting on the right external motivator for him was key because that motivator is different for every child within every single moment and what works one day may not work the next. Right. And if you ran out of Marvel stickers, right, it may have gone a different way. Yes, I believe it would have. <laughs> <laughs> but what that external reward system, that token board did was it got him to buy in to actually just first trying. Yes. Right? And because he tried, then you realized how much he was capable of. And that felt so good to him. Yes, he felt great because he was getting stickers, but pride snuck in there, too. Pride in his own accomplishments. So there's a glimmer of that internal reward because he sure walked away so yeah, much prouder that he had earned them than if I had just you had just given it to right, him. Right, exactly. So this is why we we believe that external reward systems, when done right, can be beneficial. 
When used in a classroom to get a child to sit with the group for two minutes, the hope is that the child will then start to tune into what's happening in that group, get some interest, yes. and then start to realize little by little that it feels good to connect and participate in that group. Yeah, the key is that the implementation must come with a long-term goal to fade out the system over time and to increase the internal desire to participate. What we don't want and what you don't want either is for any external reward system to become a long-term plan that leads to dependence. We definitely don't want no, that. No, we don't. Um, but when some systems are implemented with thoughtfulness in a fun way that is not punitive and is strategically used only to create that initial desire to participate, then it can be very effective for long-term gain. And the best part of all of this is the more that you are working where you are, uh, the quicker your child, with our approach, the quicker your child is going to buy in over time to tuning into the group, to participating in that group, and taking in all of the valuable information that these experiences have to offer. Yes. School. Going, exactly. Going out into the world, we all have guidelines and rules we have to follow. Some are just ridiculous, let's be honest, and some are super beneficial, but we have to do things in the end that we don't want to do in order to be a part of the bigger picture. We are not about creating neurotypical, people-pleasing conformists who follow the rules for rules sake. Absolutely not. No, in fact, we do have strong opinions about many of the unrealistic and arbitrary expectations of all children within the system and things we wish we could change. But our ultimate goal is for your child, for their ability, our ultimate goal for your child is for their ability to connect and communicate with others to increase and for them to learn incidentally from everything around them. It's not about them fitting in. It's not because you want them to be like others, but all of this work you are doing today is for long-term opportunities for your child so that they have every opportunity to connect, to have their voice be heard in whatever way they they use it and to be valued for all they have to offer the world. And when used insightfully, intentionally, and part of a bigger picture, external reward systems within learning environments can be just another tool in the toolbox to get there. If you have any questions on this topic or on any of our episodes, please do not hesitate to reach out to us by email or DM us on Instagram or Facebook. We love to answer questions and share what we can to help. Also, if you're interested in finding out more about our coaching program, email us to schedule a free consultation with us by Zoom. As always, remember that true progress comes from the connection and communication opportunities that you create one tiny interaction at a time. And there is no one better than you to do it. Have a great week. If you liked this podcast episode, make sure to subscribe, like, and follow. Too few families have this information, and it's important for them to hear it as early as possible. And to help us spread the word, please leave us a review and share on Instagram. And tag us at our handle at Connect Speech when you do. Or check us out on our website at www.connect-speech.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.